Are you tired of spinning your wheels with ineffective marketing strategies? Do you dream of finding a way to grow your business while also giving back to your community? Well, have you thought about charitable auctions? Maybe you've tried them in the past and you feel stuck because you're tired of donating to auctions that haven't gone that well. Either the winners never bothered to redeem their gift certificates or the ones who did were so price sensitive that you wished you'd never heard from them in the first place. Or maybe you've wanted to try auction marketing, but you don't know where to start and the thought of a bunch of trial and error makes you want to lay down and take a nap. Well, we've just launched our brand new course, Rework Your Marketing with Charitable Auctions. In this course, you'll gain access to a comprehensive course that has been meticulously crafted over 18 years of our own trial and error in our portrait studio in the trenches of charitable auctions. In this course, we dive deep into the world of charitable auction marketing and uncovering the secrets to our success with this. From setting clear goals to identifying the best charities for your business, we'll show you how to navigate this powerful marketing strategy with confidence. But that's not all. You're also going to receive a treasure trove of exclusive resources, including customizable templates, vendor recommendations, and tracking spreadsheets. Picture this. You donate a portrait session to a local charity auction. Not only does your donation attract the attention of your ideal clients, but it also helps support a cause that you're passionate about. And with the tools and insights provided by this course, you'll be able to turn those auction winners into lifelong clients. So whether you're a seasoned pro or just starting out, now is the time to rework your marketing strategy with charitable auctions. Visit our website today, dotherework.com forward slash auctions, and take the first step toward transforming your business and making a difference in your community. Welcome to The Rework with Allison Tyler-Jones, a podcast dedicated to inspiring portrait photographers to uniquely brand, profitably price, and confidently sell their best work. Allison has been doing just that for the last 15 years, and she's proven that it's possible to create unforgettable art and run a portrait business that supports your family and your dreams. All it takes is a little rework. Episodes will include interviews with experts from in and outside of the photo industry, mini workshops, and behind-the-scenes secrets that Allison uses in her portrait studio every single day. She will challenge your thinking and inspire your confidence to create a profitable, sustainable portrait business you love through continually refining and reworking your business. Let's do the rework. Hi there, and welcome back to The Rework. This is our first episode of Rework Book Club, and my guest, Mary Fisk-Taylor, also my book buddy, is joining me on this episode to talk about two of our favorite books. One is an older book, Mindset by Carol Dweck, and it was a game changer for Mary in her life and in her business. And then the new book by one of our favorite authors, Greg McEwen, Effortless. He's also the author of Essentialism. So we're going to talk about both these books, how they made a difference in our lives and in our business, how we applied the concepts that we learned in them, and hopefully how they can best help you. Hope you love it. Okay, so for a few years now, I had a book bestie. (laughs) She's here. True. True. My name is Mary Fisk Taylor. And so if I haven't read it, Mary has and vice versa, I think you could say, or or we like to think, we like to think that we're so incredibly well-read. Yes. 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 Okay. We're always reading a couple or few, several or several books. books. Okay. (laughs) So I thought it would be fun. I'm so grateful that you're here because I know that you're so busy, Mary, but I appreciate you being here because I think you and I could both say that one of the keys to any success that we've had in our personal life or business, we can owe directly to the books that we have read. I, and, yeah, I, yeah, books get a lot so much credit in my life. Like from even being little and just needing to escape, it was Little House in the Big Woods. Yeah. <laughs> so books have always played a huge role in my life. Always. Yes, love that. And whenever like the crap hits the fan, yes. my first thought is like, okay, I, what is the book that I need to read that's going to fix this problem yes. for me? 
Yes. A hundred percent. Long wanted to do this as part of the podcast is just to kind of have like a book discussion. And so we, we did talk about this a little bit over text beforehand about a couple of our very favorite books. So one is a backlist title that has been around for a while that was really instrumental for you. And you recommended it to me and I completely, totally loved it. And then then the other one is a newer book that we're going to talk about. So the first one is Mindset, The New Psychology of Success, How We Can Learn to Fulfill Our Potential. And that is by Carol Dweck. So tell me a little bit about your experience with this book. How did you find out about it? And then what was it for you? Yeah. So, I mean, and, I'm, and I apologize. I've already told this story. Don't be quick. But this book was given to me. So she originally wrote this book for educators, for school educators, teachers, administrators, and it has grown and seeped into all different industries, which I love. But I hit a wall and it was a January 6th. I'll never forget it. We came off one of our most successful years on paper right? Yes. And I hit a wall and that's when I fully understood that I had to do some work. And it was that day that I just could not get out of bed, felt like you're wearing like cement shoes. Mm-hmm. And the thought of the fact that I'd worked so hard and on midnight of, you know, December 31st or January 1st, midnight, whatever, everything went back to zero about did me in. Like the yeah. thought of getting up, And starting over on all my goals and all my sessions and everything was just more than I could handle. And that is the day that I went to my husband in tears and said, I'm quitting photography. I'm done. I'm going to resign from the board. I'm not doing this anymore. It's just too hard. So this book was given to me by a friend. It's kind of like, here you go. You should check this out. And I'm so- They slide it. They slide it toward you. Slide it over. Don't make eye contact with her. She might snap at any moment. Right. And I read it because I wasn't doing anything else. I was sitting in bed. And I read it and then I read it again. And I think I read it like three times. And then really, I could not, it was like, I was so thirsty and it just, I don't know what it was, Allison. And it, it's not that hard y'all. It's not a hard read. Like, it's not like I needed to read it three times, but I needed to read it three times right. because I had to really convince myself that it would work. And it was like, it became a manifestation on some sorts for me, but you know, it just basically, it talks about, you know, mindset and whether you're in a growth mindset or a fixed mindset. Okay. Which and is I'm, define, define okay. the two. So a, a fixed mindset is this, just let's do it in photography speak. That won't work in my town. Well, right. it's easy for you to say, cause you have XYZ as your business partner, or you live here, or you've been doing this. It's all the fixed things. It's mm-hmm. the uh, woe is me. The, uh, what is will always me. be. Oh, yes. This is just all that, just all that. Whereas a growth mindset does not mean that things aren't happening, but it's seeing failure as an opportunity to learn. It's, well, why not me? Or it's manifesting it and just flipping it, you know, instead of looking at everything as a problem, looking at it as an opportunity. So, okay, cool. You know what? I live in this town and yeah, I don't live in fancy smancy wherever, but what does my town support? What would my town support? Looking at it that way versus it won't work here. Mm. Right? Yeah. And when I read it, the thing that really stuck with me, especially being an oldest child, Mm. is that fixed mindset Mm -hmm. was that we come with the talents that we come with and we just are this package, right? Like we, we either are, or we aren't. So if you have a good thing, like, Oh, I'm creative and I'm a good photographer, then we have to protect that at all costs. And anything, anybody that says, well, that image wasn't exposed, right. Or that's an existential threat to us. Like we, we can't learn because we, we are a finished product. And I love how she explored like the athletes, you know, that the athletes that really had super, like really, really good natural talent actually had the harder time developing and learning. And some of those ended up, there were people that came up with who we would know as superstars that were actually more talented than the superstars we know, but the superstars knew that they didn't know everything. And so they were willing because they had a growth mindset, they knew they could learn that it would be possible to learn those things. Oh yeah. There's like, there's so many, and athletes are a great way. I mean, some of the best athletes ever born are never going to be on the all-star team. Mm -hmm. You, You know, like how does that, how does the team lose with the best basketball player in the whole NBA? Well, because they had a team of really great players that came together and learned from each other and cohesively came together as a team. And that's always going to win versus the best of the best. 
who can't right. hear or learn anything because they're the best of the best. Like you can't hear right. or learn that. We all know people like this, right? And and all or have been people, places. and I might think, be again. <laughs> well, I I think I actually think everybody has a fixed mindset in some area of their life, right. and you could say that that's a blind spot. Mm-hmm. You know, where you just kind of think you know. Mm-hmm. There's some certain things that you just think you know. And if the last two years have taught us anything. <laughs> there's a lot of the population on both sides that feel like they just know. And there's, you're not going to teach me anything. Right. And I think for our purposes, talking about portrait photographers, if you have a growth mindset, it's just that you're teachable, that you know, you don't know, but you know, you could find out. Exactly. No, I, I think you're exactly right. And I think that always being, and, and it's, we know these people, you know, and, and, and honestly, this is something that I didn't just use in my business. I used in my sales. I mean, I did my business, mm-hmm. not just like to get myself re-energized and re-immersed into my business, but using it in my sales room, you know, instead of getting in the sales room with the dad, with his arm or mom, with their arms crossed, just shaking their head because the money, you know, we're starting to talk about whatever, instead of looking at that as defeat and, oh, well, he's, it, it's out, it's done. No. Okay. Looking at that as an opportunity to nurture this mindset of, okay, cool. So tell me what will work instead of me just being like, well, fine, you don't, you don't want what I'm not my client, not my client. Exactly. And just chalking. No, I don't do that anymore because there's a reason and and maybe it's not going to work out, but this whole idea of mindset and, you know, like I said, the whole openness to being willing to rethink or reinvent and and it also for me goes into like an Eckhart Tolle kind of, you know, philosophy, like just repurposing the the negativity and the sentences I feed myself daily mm-hmm. is a huge mindset choice. So instead of me saying, well, he's just a jerk or they don't ever buy anything or he's not my client right. saying, you know, what, how do we repurpose that into, and look, not everything's, I'm not trying to be Pollyanna here and goodness knows I'm not, if you've ever met me, by the way, <laughs> but I certainly can reword that in my own brain to, well, maybe if not that, then what, mm-hmm. and, you know, or if, you know, it just, I don't know, how can I reconfigure this? How can I re reword this? And it's just something else. And like, I have to remind myself of mindset. I feel like some days, every single day, but it's something I need to check in because I can easily slip back in to it. Not just being a blind spot, <laughs> you know, being yeah, a lot huge, of a huge cataract. Yeah. So what came to my mind is I was thinking about like in particular with clients too, is that, you know, say something goes south or is very difficult with a client. After I read this book, we had something that was pretty fraught with a client that was really hard. And I just remember thinking, okay, this pain cannot go to waste. Right. So there's something to learn here. Obviously, either I missed something, didn't communicate something. And I feel like our processes are pretty tight. Like I feel like mm-hmm. I, I really do work on that. But if I had been in fixed, if I had stayed in fixed mindset, it would have been exactly that. Like, no, I totally quoted them. They totally knew what this was, you know, all of that. And then I could just write them off. But instead I thought, okay, what would I need to do to make sure this never happened again? Right failing forward and failing fast, like fail fast, fall forward. Right. But it's that whole idea of, okay. And then we do the same thing. And we used to not Jamie Hayes and I, so Mm -hmm. cross our arms, get mad. They're the jerk, whatever. But no, if it went that bad, something fell short somewhere. So we have to go back and look at all your processes and look at all of that stuff and go, okay, up, you know what? We let it slide by without this, or we didn't insist on this, or this piece of material didn't go out in a timely fashion or whatever it is. Or maybe it's going to force you to look, are you really mining or refining in that area where your ideal client lives? Did you do an auction you knew was kind of sketchy, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like iffy or, you know, did you, you, do you have a well-defined ideal client? Whatever it is, I have to try to look at it as a learning opportunity. And that's really hard. (laughs) That's really hard sometimes It is because you feel like you said, you have these really great processes and procedures and you've got them nailed down, but we also make mistakes. We just, right. we just do. And sometimes we didn't make a mistake. So sometimes it isn't our fault. Okay. So they truly it, like, let's just use that scenario. It, it truly is. You kind of got a live wire on the line, you know, or tiger by the tail, whatever you want to euphemism you want to use. But then again, that's a, also an opportunity to, okay, by the time, because I, I remember thinking with this client that I was dealing with, by the time I am done with this, I am going to have some really good words. Like yeah. I'm going to have some really good sentences yeah. that are going to help me get out ahead of this with another client. 
Do you know what I mean? Like right, so right now I did, was, didn't have those words to get out ahead of it. But with the next client, I'm going to be able to have better sentences and be able to, it will help me refine my process okay. or it will help me identify somebody that should never have been my client in the first place. But there's always something to learn. And that's the thing I thought was so valuable about that book was that it really just comes down to the fixed mindset is I am what I am. And so I can't learn. I can't Mm -hmm. be taught. And I think most people think they can learn, but really, how are you acting? So when you're saying, going back to your earlier comments, that can't happen here. Oh, well, that's nice for Mary Fist Taylor because she lives in Richmond, Virginia. She's had all these advantages or whatever, but to look at it and say, okay, yes, Mary does live there. Yes. She has had advantages, but if I was going to do it, how could I? Correct. Correct. And is there a way forward for me? Yeah. You know, it's kind of that old idea that, you know, cause I'll start teaching and look, you know, I get it. Not everybody likes the, you know, the, not everybody's picking up what I'm putting down. I get that because I've gotten very kind of very, I don't know, set in my ways as I've gotten older in the business that we've built for ourselves. But, you know, I'm like, every town has an olive garden. Yeah. And every, you know what I mean? So let's just start there. Like mm-hmm. you don't have to be up in the fine French dining restaurant and we're not, but every, you know, there's an Olive Garden or there's a Ford dealership. Let's mm-hmm. just start there. So there are buyers, there are consumers, there is viable sales happening. So work around that. You don't have to work around what MFT does or ATJ does or mm-hmm. what, you know, whatever, but work around that, at least be open to what will work versus crossing your arms, rolling your eyes and saying, that's not going to work. And I've been there. I mean, I 100% have been there and shut my mind to that. Well, that's easily easy for XYZ to say, because, you know, whatever. Well, I don't do that anymore. I try really, really, really hard to think, all right, you know, maybe that's not for me, but what would work for me? And how could I make that um, work in viable, sustainable and profitable in where I live or in my business model or what I want to do? Yeah, I love it. I know. So it's a huge book. And there's lots of free resources online. If you just Google it, you can take little quizzes, checking in on your mindset, and they'll kind of let you know whether you're fixed or you're in a growth mindset. You might be surprised. Yeah. Well, and I I loved about the all the areas about parenting too. There are so oh, yeah. many things about you can tell that she's an educator because there were so many. Yeah. Um, yeah, like yeah. about praising, overpraising. Yeah. And all this yeah. Stuff. So and then, talk about that. Talk about yeah. the overpraising thing. Yeah. So, you know, if you have if you, with children in particular, you, it's just what a slippery slope it is to overpraise because what could happen and does happen is even though they are doing great, they're excelling in that. What it does is it builds a fear in a fixed mindset that that's all they can do well in. And mm-hmm. they're afraid quite often to try and do other things yeah. for fear of failure. Yeah. Like teachers would say, you know, oh, you're really great at read. I had a fourth grade teacher tell me, cause I was so math was hard and learning yeah. those times tables and doing that time, those time tests, times tables. Yeah. I just really struggled with that. And she's like, well, you know, you're just really good at reading and you're just not good at math. So just focus on reading. Same. I had the same thing said to me, but it's like, okay, how, like in fourth grade, I mean, no, I, in fourth you know grade, I, mean? I decided I was dumb in math. Yeah. I excelled in all the Englishes and languages mm-hmm. and all the stuff, but just decided because of that comment that I was dumb in math. Yeah. Now that teacher didn't mean anything by it. I mean, a hundred percent, but is that the picture? That's probably not what you would say today. You know, granted this was, you know, when the Minutemen were around is when I was in fourth grade. <laughs> right. So, I mean, you know, but that was not a good way to encourage me instead of the way you would flip something like that is you're an amazing reader. And you know what? You put that energy into math. You can be equally as amazing in math. Yeah. Yeah. Instead of, well, you're just not good at math. You're just really good at reading. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, that will, are you going to, are you going to still make me take math tests? Because like, <laughs> I feel like you are. Yeah. So. You just, you just said I was bad in it. So can we skip can we that altogether? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So I, I don't that. know. It's a great book. I cannot recommend it enough. I think that it helps with lots of things, relationships, business, you know, raising your kiddos. I think it helps in so many aspects. It, for me, it was a little bit of a godsend and I'm so glad that somebody gifted it to me. And it's been a mainstay for the past many, many years. I love that. One of the quotes that I loved from that book was she said, learning fast isn't the same as learning well. Mm -hmm. And learning well sometimes requires allowing time for mistakes. How are we emphasizing growth over speed in our business? And I'm like, Ooh, that one hurts me because I like a speedy solution. Yes. But yeah, so there are just, there's so many good things about, you know, viewing challenges as opportunities and 
thank you for recommending that book to me because I loved it. Yes. Well, I'm glad you loved it. And, um, and I, I love that saying, and I also, the speed thing is hard for me, but we have to remember it's, you know, we have to be patient and that's with anything guys. And especially if you're out there trying to try new marketing or doing things, you gotta be patient. Just, you know, I, I hear this well, all too often. I'll work with a client or work with another studio and I'll go, well, I sent out an email and I, I just, it's just not working. Yeah. Okay. Well, let's <laughs> hold on. That's not a growth mindset. <laughs> got to give it a little, got to give it more than a minute. So, but that's very yeah. hard for me too. I get it. Yeah. Well, and really, you know, in the portrait business, it's a business of relationships and that's just a long, slow growth thing. It's yeah. not something that happens overnight. Something that, you know, whether it's your co-marketing relationships, your relationships with your clients. And then, but once those networks and those relationships build exponential growth can happen. And so then you can look back and go, wow, the last two years, were awesome. What can I attribute that to? And you really have to look at it and you realize actually, it's just like some of that stuff that we did two, four years ago is coming to fruition finally. Well, and when you say that guys, as you grow your business and that as your sales get bigger and bigger, you're going to find that those relationships took longer and longer. It -hmm. could be three, six, nine, 12, 18 months, two years, because these people are at this point investing hefty amounts of money in us. Right. And that's not a decision they're going to make in an hour and a half, two hours. It's something that you kind of have to grow. Phil M. Jones uses that great example of having the big fish and the medium fish and how you have to always have so many big fish on the line, right? And you work with your medium fish, but you always have those big fish going. And as soon as you get one through the cycle, then you start on the next one. But as you said, what happens is that big fish tells their friends and they tell their friends, and then all of a sudden it becomes easier. But in the beginning, it is a challenge and it does take a lot of fortitude. (laughs) Yeah. So Phil M. Jones, what book was that that you're referencing there? Because I'll put that. I believe that was an exactly how to sell. Yeah. No, I was thinking about that as I was getting ready yesterday. I was thinking, even though I feel like I've been doing the same thing the same way for a long time, it does take longer. And it is a different process when you go from selling in like the below 5,000 average Mm -hmm. to higher than that, just because it's a, it takes a longer time to make that decision. It takes, you know, whether it's in, and think about anything in your house, like you go to Target and you're going to go buy a lamp, right? a couple of towels, you know, some cute stuff for your house, 30, 40, under hundred, maybe up to 500. You're not asking, you're you're not asking anybody about that. You're just doing that. Right. Yeah. If it's going to be like a sectional or, mm-hmm. you know, revamping a bathroom or, you know, something that's going to be above the 5,000 mark, that's for most families, that's going to require conversation for a 100%. couple of people, you know? Yeah. yeah. And they're going to think about it and you're not going to make a, you're not going to make a rash decision because they're taking their hard earned money and they're investing it in something. And I appreciate it. You know what I mean? I appreciate the back and forth and I have no problem with it, but I will be honest in the beginning, I was impatient and I probably left a lot of money on the table wanting to rush them into making a decision. Mm-hmm. And if they came in and didn't that finalize that, the, I was like, well, that's it. Yeah. Now, no, I don't look at it that way. I look at it as, well, it's just going to be a bigger, better sale. They're just, they need more time or whatever. Now, of course, you try to handle as much of that before the actual session as possible. But it still just does. I know my husband and I are not going to just go and drop fifteen, twenty thousand dollars without really thinking about it. Like that's just how yeah. we are, you know. And especially if you had no idea that the thing that you were looking at could even reach right. those numbers, you know. So right. if you're thinking, let's, you know, Mary and Daryl. So Mary and Daryl are going to go sectional shopping. Yes. And in your mind, the last time you bought a sofa, it was about twelve hundred dollars. Right. But you, your tastes have changed. Yes. And you like nice things and you've seen some things on Instagram and you have this idea of this luxury, like down sofa. It's amazing. So you go down to this place that you've driven by and you think, I'm just going to go in there and look at sofas. Well, it's, you know, the last time we spent 1200 on our sofa, this is a sectional. It's probably going to be bigger than that. It's probably going to be double. I mean, so maybe 2,500, maybe 3000, you know, and you get in there and it's $10,000 for a sectional. Mm -hmm. So what's your first thought is you're the frog jumping out of the water, right? It's yeah. Like, yeah, no, absolutely. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And, and, and as, as a couple who just bought all new um, den furniture, very much went in there with an idea of what we thought it would be. And I'm pretty realistic. And by the time we added on everything we wanted, it is what it is. Right. So right. you, then you have to decide whether you're going to buy it. So, you know, or buying a car. I mean, or mm-hmm. whatever it is you go, oh, the base model. Well, have you ever met me? I'm not buying the base model. I know. <laughs> 
<laughs> so it's okay. It's okay. Don't look at that as a negative thing. Again, that's, it's all about your mindset. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I love that. So I think sometimes we read that. So if you're in a fixed mindset in that situation and you're the salesperson, mm-hmm. I'm selling you and Daryl the sofa mm-hmm. and you come in and sit on it and you're like, yeah, we're so excited. We can't wait to buy this. This will look great in our house and I'm helping you measure it, but we haven't talked price. And so mm-hmm. I'm thinking I got a live one, like this is going to happen. And then I say, you know, it's only $15,000. And you're like, oh, uh, oh. Hmm. no, no way. So then I'm like, right. you're in the headlights. I'm freaking out. So what happens in that? And so what I see with photographers is it's like either not my client or they're like, they're just cheap. They're just cheap. They're just or cheap. even worse, they start downselling you. Well, do you really need this big of a sectional? Do you really need the scotch guarding? Do you need the, so then they start discounting and doing all that to try to save the sale. I just was needed to get over the, the shock. That doesn't mean I said I wasn't going to buy it. And I find way too often we as photographers will start backpedaling immediately or getting. Yeah. Well, and if they owned the store and they were like most, like many photographers and like, you know, when I first started and you get scared by that, you're saying, Oh, 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 is 12 too much? That's not okay. Okay. Well, I'll, how about if I yeah. make it 6,000 and I bring it myself on my back, on my back at midnight yeah. on Christmas Eve? Would yes. that be okay? You know? Yeah. But not necessarily. And I'll throw in these end tables for free because I just obviously made you uncomfortable. No, yeah. it's okay to be uncomfortable. Right. It's okay for you to feel uncomfortable. It's okay for your client to feel uncomfortable. That does not mean that the deal's off the table, by the way. Right. Right. So after I scared you with the $12,000 sofa, then what did you do? You walked away you said, went over to Daryl and you said, okay, well, you were sitting on the sofa. What yeah, happened? We were sitting there and we really liked it. And, and you felt, yeah. it felt so good. And you see like Daryl's a big guy. Yes. And we need, we need, and we need strong, the deep sturdy... sofa. Well, not yes. big. I mean, just tall. He's tall. No, he's a tall, big guy. And yeah. we also need it not too low because we're not getting any younger. No, we don't need those low couches anymore. No. And the dogs so they are going to be smart... on there with uh, as they sit right now looking at me. Right. And you know what? She was really smart. She goes, well, let me just go write this up as, and this is what I do, by the way, yeah. I'm going to write this up. And I, I sometimes do this at the consultation, but regardless, I was, she said, I was really proud of her. She said, I'm going to write this up as your wish list and I'll email it to you as well. And I will follow up with you. Would tomorrow be okay? Or Tuesday when in, and that's exactly what she did. I love that. And I said, yes, that's our wish list, And we can, you know, make changes or what have you. Right. And that's what I do in the studio. When people tell me what they want, I say, okay, let's just write it up at your wish list, And we'll just go from there. And it's an invoice, by the way. It's not. Yeah. And yeah. you know what? There's a big number on the bottom and they can decide whether we're going to yeah. leave it as is. So let me print this up as we yeah. just conceptualized it. And then yeah. if there's any adjustments that need to be made, let's, no we can problem. go ahead and make those right now. Yeah, no so, problem. So if, if the sale needs to be cut down, then it needs to be happening right now. We don't, I don't want you to leave here yes. thinking that you're going to spend X and then you go home and call me crying the next day. And it's half what I thought, because then I'm crying the next day. That's right. That's right. I'd rather have it cut down before you leave. Right. Because, you know, what's more, you know, for the sofa thing, she could say, but you know, your back and the, and the, the height of this is perfect and it's sturdy. And you told that it has all this new, you know, scientific fabric that the dogs, it can't, what were we going to do? Like we, yeah, we had to buy it. No, yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah, you're. What are you going to go to Target and buy like the no the, the furniture yes, that's the for like tiny people? You yeah. know that you're that you're going to break the first time you sit. At least Correct. in our family, you break Same. the first time you sit on it. You know, yeah. So we don't do that, but and that's how we should do it in our own business. She never took that personally because it wasn't personal to her, by the way. Yeah, right. She just we needed to understand. Um, it's funny because you don't even realize that we did just buy all this furniture. That's so um, funny. <laughs> and um, so, you know, and then three years later, it'll be delivered because there'll be foam. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I know. Right. I that's know. A that's, a, that's a, yeah. Supply that's chain a whole other is going to be another podcast episode. Yes. I know. Yeah. I love it. I'll wrangle my kids in since they both, we both, we both, both of them went to college for that. Okay. So fixed mindset, you are not a finite entity. You can be taught, you can grow. Yes. And so when something comes up again, when we come up against something that challenges us, that makes us think this business is never going to work or that we are a failure, that there always is a way to learn more. There's always a how to, if we have the want to. I think if you have the want to and, and for your clients as well, you might get a mother-in-law or a dad or a mom or sister or whatever in their neighbor. And they've got a fixed mindset of what's appropriate on the walls or whatever it is. Mm -hmm. Don't give up because you know what? Sometimes, you know, you just having a conversation and developing some sort of relationship with them, you'll hit whatever the trigger is. And all of a sudden they'll go, 
I understand why, you know what I mean? Whatever Mm -hmm. that is, I, you know, when you go and I lay into my, you know what though, I understand what you're saying. I totally understand why you feel like maybe that's too large, but you know what? She gets 18 summers before the whole family changes and we're at 12. Mm. Now's the time. This is an heirloom. This is on the heirloom map. This is a milestone you do not want to miss. Yeah. And all of a sudden you'll see a grandmother, little tears or dad tears, you know, wow. We have six more, you know what I mean? And I use that all the time. So don't assume your client's mindset's completely fixed. You have the power to sometimes get them into a growing space. So, yeah. And it doesn't have to be trickery. No, it's not or at some, all. you know, some weird used car salesman trick. It's just really sharing what is true and, and being the expert and saying, no, this is, especially right. as mothers, I think as parents, you know, you can say, Much well, easier. Hey, like your kids are gone. Mine are gone. You know, yes. it's like, yeah, trust and believe this is going to change in a hot second. Yeah. One day you're going to be in your car crying all the way to Knoxville, Tennessee, listening to landslide <laughs> and you're going to cry for eight hours straight. Like this is going to happen. You know what yes. I mean? So I, I am coming from a place of empathy and authority. Yeah. You know, I'm not just trying to, I really believe it. I believe yeah. what I'm telling them. Yeah. And I know well, you do too. Well, and I think also the growth mindset too, is rather than when first presented with a no or, a, mm-hmm. you know, resistance in some form, whether that's from a, in the form of a client or a setback in your business or whatever, it is not just taking the first no and just realizing, okay, well, what else do I need to understand and how can I help them get what I know they need, th- right. they really do want, you know, right. help them overcome their own resistance. And, and sometimes own. if you've done a great job with your consultation, you're going to go back to the original why now mm-hmm. and go, well, you told me X, Y, and Z. Yeah. And this is what I believe as a professional and that this is going to fulfill that why. And sometimes just reminding them of the why Mm -hmm. is enough, you know, and if it's not, it's okay. Yeah. Learn from it, move on and don't. Doesn't mean you suck. Doesn't mean they suck. Correct. 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 (laughs) Means we can learn. Yep. We always can learn. Yes. Okay. So Carol Dweck mindset, the new psychology of success. So highly, highly recommend. It's also a good listen too. I'm I'm a big fan of an audible situation. Okay. So our next book is Effortless by Greg McKeown. Mm-hmm. famously the author of Essentialism, which Essentialism is essential. It is Everybody essential. needs to read that book. I've talked about it a lot. So we're not reviewing that one here, but his new book is effortless. So Essentialism is all about how do you start selecting the things that are most important? It's kind of a yeah. process by which you decide what is the most important thing. And then Effortless is the book on how to make the most important things frictionless. Yes. So he's talking about, do you ever feel like things are just so much harder than they used to be? Or do you, you know that something is important, but yet you struggle to get it done. You're running faster, but not moving closer towards your goals, or you want to make a higher contribution in some way, but you just don't have the energy. And so it's all about turning like tedious tasks into enjoyable rituals. So he, he's kind of exploring the idea of, how do you make the things that you really should be doing, the things that really do bring you lasting results and, and happiness? So whether it's exercise or spending time with your family, or how do you make those easy? And then you make the stuff that we love to do, yeah. like binge watch things on Netflix or whatever, and make those hard. Yeah. You know, and yeah. so, yeah, which is kind of Atomic Habits-ish. It is-ish, but no, it's different. It's a little different spin. I agree. I mean, how to make the things that we don't like to do easy. I mean, there's lots of, and it's not just trickery, by the way. Like he actually has some really nice concrete things that he talks about, like talking about letting go or avoiding perfectionism, streamlining, things Yeah, like that, the right? perfectionism one was a big one for me. He said, me perfectionism too. makes essential projects hard to start. Self-doubt makes them hard to finish. And trying to do too much too fast makes it hard to sustain momentum. I'm like, Uh, I resemble every one of those things. Yes. Yeah. Perfection makes it hard to start. That's obviously like, I've got to do it. So I can't start now because I can't do it perfect. Self-doubt. Well, Mm. I can't finish it because it's not perfect. Mm -hmm. And then you try to do too much too fast. I mean, I just feel like I should raise my hand right here on that one. For all those. Yeah. Yeah. That's a hard one. What does he say? Did he say something like like, the courage to be rubbish or like the courage to not be? Yes. Like I barely could read those words. (laughs) I mean, I don't know what to even do with that word. Like in rubbish, it just sounds so much better than, you know, garbage. The London accent. um, But I'm just like, whoa, really? So, wow. So I need to have the courage, the courage to be rubbish. Mm Mm-hmm. 
I'm not there, by the way. I'm not even, I'm not there. No, but (laughs) I think the reason why his books have resonated so much in recent years is everything is just, there's just so much more of everything. I know. You know, it's just, there's so much more distraction. I know we've heard it a million times, but it really, have you ever been 10 o'clock at night in your bed on Instagram? And before you realize it's like two and a half hours later, and you've just watched like 95 reels of Dogs for me. Yeah, whatever. Kids, toddlers, cute, I don't know. Cute you know. little dogs. I just get, it's a rabbit hole for yeah. me. And yeah. Or a mindless game. Like I just, and then all Just something like, where you, I've got to turn my brain off because I can't think about when you got correct. the hamster wheel going. That, to me, that's what it is. It's like, am yeah. I depressed? Like what is happening here? You know? Well, I mean, who knows what it is, but it, yeah. it's happening more than ever because I can't shut my brain off. And so that's the only way I do. But then now I'm tired. <laughs> right. Right. And then, then he explores the idea of residual results. And so what he says with residual results is that with residual results, you put the effort in once and then reap the benefits again and again. So the results flow to you while you're sleeping. Results flow to you when you're taking the day off. Residual results can be virtually infinite. So he used an example of that there was one family that they really admired their family dynamic and their culture. And what they had done is they said, okay, we're going to get together. We're just going to make a standing date. And every summer we're going to get together at this lake house or whatever, like whatever they were going to do as a family, because their family was getting bigger and bigger and they were having grandkids and whatever. And so they started this. It just was a don't miss thing. And so now they're into like the fourth generation of this summer event, which it doesn't have to be a lake house. It could be at a park near your house or whatever. But this, because that decision was made at some point, it did become effortless. Does that mean that it was, it's not hard to plan that you don't have to still buy all the, you know, the gladware and the things and cook the food and all that? No, but you don't have to decide, okay, we really should be getting together. We really should be. Cause when we're spinning in that, that's not effortless. It's pushing the boulder uphill. So are there things in your business? Because that's what this podcast is, is for the portrait business. What are some things that we have done that you feel like in your business or in our business that have made things effortless? Like you've decided something. And so then it just made a decision, made, maybe made a lot of decisions, like a residual benefit for you. Yeah. So, and I have a great example. So, you know, several couple of years ago when I went through and did all my story brand training, really, really bought into and glad I did the whole idea of the importance of a drip campaign and transitional calls to action and a, and a regular email campaign came home completely jazzed up and a hundred percent on board that we needed these things. Okay. Sitting down and writing these things. <laughs> Brutal. Absolutely would have rather just about done anything. Yeah. Like, sure, I'll scrape the tile. I'll yeah. paint that. I mean, in the end, all I'm your not pencils got sharpened, all your junk drawers got I cleaned mean, out. everything was yeah. clean, closets were clean. Yeah. But when I finally sat down and did the framework for all these things. Now I just have to plug in, fill in the blanks and every month and every, it's easy. It's easy. Now, do I still have to do it? Yes. I'm, it's almost March. I'm like, oh, you know, I'm traveling tomorrow. I need to make sure my March one's ready, but it's just plugging in some different dates, some different images. But when I tell you that I'm embarrassed to tell you how long I waited to get those done. So that's a great example. But the one that I have not gotten around to is my website. I even paid someone half of the money and I still have not sat down and gone through the images and done the work Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. because I just wrapping my brain around it. Oh, I have a good quote for you that is not from either of these books. I, I think it was like a meme off of Instagram, but I have it on my bulletin board in my office and it says, and dreading by doing. Uh, and so what that meant to me, how I interpreted that is this can be book club and favorite quotes from Instagram. Like, yeah, absolutely. Right? This can just be whatever we want it to be. Okay. That's right. Well, what, what, what that tells me is, and, and I know you're like this. It's like this. Okay. I got to do my website. Then hmm. I got to go through all the images and then I got to hmm. get it with Jamie. And then I yeah. And so there's all this, we build this huge mountain yeah. up mm-hmm. and we know we've read the time management books that really all you need to do, do is, could I do one thing? Like what's the one step? Yeah. Create a new folder in Dropbox called that says website images. Yeah. That's it. That's That's the only step you can take today. And when you do that, you're like, it's a win and you feel energized. And so you're like, well, I could probably just pull a couple of images. Just that session. I'll start with that session. But we can't, but until we just get a little start, it's brutal. And this goes back to like atomic habits, right? Or, you know, it's just, just, just start with that. It's like they, what is your, if you ever 
which I'm not having a lot of luck with, but like a personal journey with exercise, just put on your gym clothes. Oh, I can tell you exactly what that was for me because I, in 2010, I reached a point where I was like, I got to do something. I had a huge health scare Mm -hmm. and I decided, you know, I've got to lose a hundred pounds. So I started on this journey and then didn't get very far and then had this health scare. And I decided if I live, I will make this happen. And so I had to make exercise a part of my daily life. And of course I gained 30 pounds back on COVID, but that's a separate that's a issue. We're not going to shame. We're not, we're not going to shame. No. So what I did with that is I said, all right, what is the minimum that's still successful? Like I, hmm. I define that. So my minimum that is still successful is three days a week. Okay. So that's like three days as a minimum. Now that's three days of whatever. So if it's a walk, that's a 20 walk. minutes, it's a walk. It's, it's something. Okay. So three days a week, that's the minimum. And then how I remember reading about exercise and this was something that was so amazing to me that they did a study with a bunch of people, you know, like the control group, right? The whole thing. And so they said, okay, we have group A, group B, group A, before you go to exercise in the morning or whenever you're going to do it, here's this little pep talk we want you to give yourself about, you know, working out or whatever. And then the other people, they said, they didn't say anything, just, just work like a self acclimate, like a self acclimation. Like, yeah. Yeah. Just like, okay, we're going to go. It's going to be great. Do you know that the people that they gave the, give themselves the pep talk were like 40% less likely to exercise? Stop it. Yeah. Do you know why? No, because, and this is so true. This happens is that in, then in your mind, you're like, well, I'm talking myself into it. So it's still a decision. Right. So what I found, and then I was reading Twyla Tharp's The Creative Habit, Uh and she uh was talking about how she makes herself work out every day is all she does is just say, I just got to get in the cab. She lives in New York. I just have to get in the cab because if she gets in the cab, she's going to end up at the studio and she's going to be working out. So she found like, where was the point at which it made my working out inevitable? So for me, it's lay the clothes out the night before. And then in the morning when I wake up and I start thinking, well, do I feel achy? Yeah. Do I, I feel like I might be getting a cold or something, you know, (laughs) maybe I'm having, is that Ebola? Is that Ebola? I don't know. Fever. Yes, I know. So then I just immediately stop and I go, get in the car, get in the car, get in the car, just get in the car, just get in the car. So then I'm not thinking, even as I'm pulling on my, like the Lulu that's coming up over the muffin top in the, you know, 5am in the morning. And I'm like, just get in the car, just get in the car. Cause I know if I get in the car, you're going to go, I'm going to go. And so that truly has made a regular exercise habit is now effortless for me because I just, I don't allow myself to talk about it. Right. Kind of like the five, four, three, two, one Mel Robbins thing. You know, I was going to say, it's like like Mel Robbins. That's exactly what I was just thinking. Just get in the car. Like, so I don't have to work out. I'm not working out. No, I'm just just getting, I'm just getting in the car. No promises. Okay. Yes. So then I get in the car and I pull up and then I'm thinking, I'm not going in because I'm fat and I don't want to go in, you know, but then I'm like, okay, I'm just going to go in. I'm going to do the first exercise. I just, I'm going to warm up. We'll just see, you know, and then, then you're there. You're, I'm going. here. I'm just going to, well, I'm not going to work that hard. Cause I'm feeling I might have a bolus. I'm probably yes. not going to work that yes, hard, but then you're like, well, hell I'm here. I'm going to, I'm going to work hard. And then there's some guy next to me that thinks he's going to lift heavier than me. And that's right. not happening, you no, know? Cause... So before we know it, I'm sweaty and it's 400 calories and I'm done. See? Yeah. So you just have to do it. You just have to do it. Yeah. It's the, the, that you just got to start things. That's interesting though about the the self like the self acclimate or isn't pro- that you know, crazy? Because you would think that it, would you would think that it would be opposite. Yeah, no, huh. it was because then you're thinking because you know you do that you're like okay I'm totally gonna go it's gonna be great the night before right you're like I'm gonna go and then you wake up in the morning and you're like I'm not gonna go no I, I, who am I kidding my left toe is just throbbing uh, throbbing this <laughs> and and really I'm in my fifties like. I, how skinny do I need to be? Well, that's where I'm at. I'm like, as long as I, same with me. I'm like, if I, my doctor says I can live longer than I'm going to, that's right. It's health, you know, for me at this point, I'm not, I'm not trying to wear. Ivan doesn't like skinny girls. You know, that's that's the other, yeah, I know. I know. We want want Ivan to be happy. It's for sure. (laughs) I know. So we digress off of that. We did. I I apologize. But it's still effortless. It is is effortless. And then the other thing that I loved, what he talked about, one of the things is he said, 
And this is, this is so true for me. And actually exercise has played a huge part of this for me. So because the only time I will regularly exercise is at like 6am in the morning. So I have to get up at like five-ish because the only thing I'm then missing at that point is sleep. I'm not disappointing anybody. I'm not missing a client. I'm not missing my kids. That's just, it's, I'm getting, you know, less sleep. So I, you know, have to get to bed earlier, but what I found is that it actually gives me three more great hours in my day because your morning, right, is your best. And if you've exercised, you're like fully yeah. oxygenated and you're feeling good. So he says, dedicate mornings to essential work. But I love this part. Break down that work into three sessions of no more than 90 minutes each. Take a short break, 10 to 15 minutes in between sessions to rest and recover. And so I have found that that 90 minute, those 90 minute chunks are really good for me. And then just, you know, if you can get a couple of really good 90 minute chunks in the morning before noon, you can do a week's worth of work. Oh, I could get your website done. I could, I could, could. I could, instead of getting up early and being angry that I'm up early. Right. (laughs) No, for sure. I've done that for the past two days. I've been so tired. I literally fell asleep before eight o'clock the other night, 8 PM Eastern. Okay. Yeah. I was up at three 30 and then I just was angry for hours that I was up. That was productive. Yeah. No, but I read this. Okay. So I read this article. I I think it might've been Harvard Business Review or maybe the Atlantic. I don't know. But they were talking about how right now, because of the Rona and all of that, that the sleep patterns are wonky. But guess what? They said that actually this interrupted sleep that like everybody's getting up at 3 a.m. Yeah. Like melatonin now that's called 3 a.m. melatonin. Not even kidding. No way. I have it and it's, it works. Yeah. It's great. Okay, um, we'll, we'll link to the, yeah, link to that too. I'm going to okay. need that link. Yeah. But anyway, but I, you know, cause I was feeling like the same thing, like mm-hmm. everybody says it's gotta be uninterrupted sleep. I'm not getting my REM. Somehow I'm going to get Ebola for sure. You know? Yes. But they were saying that actually pre-industrial, the pattern, sleep patterns were different and that's completely fine. You can have serial episodes of sleep. Okay. I this know. is making me feel a lot better about my life because I've lived my whole life this way, probably. Yeah. And so I'll sleep actually, in like three hour, four hour block. Yeah. Two, three, yeah. Yeah. That it's legit. So I'll find that and I'll send it to you. But I thought it was really interesting. And so they were interviewing one of the guys that had, or maybe it was the guy that wrote the article, but he said, I kind of find like now that I'm not worried about it and feeling angst about it, when I get up at like that 3.30 and kind of putter around for half an hour, it's like so quiet. And I feel like yeah. I'm kind of like getting away with something and like, it's all yeah. mine, you know? Right. Cause people aren't interrupting you. You have uninterrupted time. I mean, a lot of authors and that's yeah. when they write, I mean, yes. they'll get up and write in three hour to, you know, well, 90 minute blocks or whatever, yeah. and then go back to bed and then get up and finish the rest of their day, which is not as productive as those blocks of time. Yeah. Wow. You know what? That's a game changer for me. And I guess I've always, now my kids aren't here anymore. Why do I feel like I have to be so quiet? I mean, who am I going to wake up? Like the yeah. dog? Yeah. yeah, I can't even, my dog's so old, he won't even get up. But again, now, so that we can circle back to the mindset on that too, yeah. and effortless, is that maybe the things that we have put ourselves in a box and think this Ooh. has to be this way. I love that. That we could say, well, or it could be a different way. And yeah. But I'm, you know, now that my kids are gone, I could get up, I could go sit on the couch, I could read my book, you yeah. know, and then I feel like I'm kind of getting away with something. I'm being naughty and staying awake mm-hmm. or whatever, and then go back to bed or whatever, you know? So yeah. anyway. Oh, I love that. I love that. Well, you know, I think that this all goes together, right? We keep referring to all these books, but I loved Effortless for so many reasons. And the perfectionism hit me hard, you know, but the whole idea of letting that go is hard, but also the whole idea of streamlining, that was like a big part of the book that I need to be better at streamlining the Mm -hmm. processes and using that better. And I think I used to be, and I think I got out of habit. I don't, I don't know, but I don't feel, I know all this stuff. Why I'm, I feel all over the place lately. Well, but you've also just come off of year of being president of PPA. It was COVID and then my presidency. Also pandemic and like wholesale social destruction for two years. Yes. A hundred percent. There've been a few things going on now. Yeah. Now war in Europe. I mean, you know, there's things. So so many things for me to worry about. Right. A lot of things. So, but I, I love books that make me see in a different way. Don't yeah. tell me what to do, but that actually change the way that I think and view the world and allow me to come up with my own best. Oh, this really works for me rather than like, everybody should do it this way. Right. Right. Well, the whole streamlining thing, like making, breaking into as few steps as possible, because I love to drag it out and make it as hard as possible. Like oh, you said, yes. put on your clothes, get in the car. Yeah. Go to the, oh, yeah. you know, but me, I'm like, well, 
you got to pick out the outfit. Yeah. I got to brush my, I mean, I have to yeah. throw everything in yeah. there. The website, I can't just make a folder. Yeah. It's that imperfect action over yeah. perfect inaction. You know, it's yeah. like just doing that little, that first step. Cause for me, that's such, how many projects have you been putting off and we, you build it up in your mind. I got to call that client. I got to do that thing or whatever. And then it's been on your list for two weeks. You keep not crossing it off. You keep transferring it to the new list. And then you're like, you know what? I got it. And it's, it was like 10 minutes. Yeah. And it literally, and it literally hung you up and it was in your mind and was at 3.30 a.m. Instead of yeah. reading your book, you were thinking about that thing. Or I don't know if that's you, but that's- totally No, that's totally me. me. That's totally yeah. me. And I'm like, wow, wow. I could have let that not live that live rent-free in my head for two and a half weeks and and disappointed myself and the person that I'm yeah. dreading. I, you know, it, Yeah, I do it way too often. So yeah. I need to do better. So that, it was a good, I'd read that book because I, when you, we talked about it, I was like, oh, I don't think I have that one. And then when I went to look at it, I'm like, I totally have that one. <laughs> yeah. I had it, read it. So it was a good reread for me. It was a really good reread. Good. I'm so Both glad. of his books are great. But I will say that that book would not have had the same impact or, you know, effect if I had not, was not in tune with mindset. Like for me, it mm-hmm. always goes back to mindset. Always. Yep. Love it. And I feel the same way about essentialism. I feel like that yeah. I think those two books for are like central, you know, yeah. essentialism and mindset were both good. There we are. They are so fun. It. Yay. Well, book club, <laughs> our first time. Our so first book club. Good. Yeah. Yes, it was great. I've been looking forward to this. And um, yeah, maybe it won't be our last because I don't have anybody else to talk about books with. So right. you're my book person. And I'm looking at you on Zoom and I see behind your head, there are a lot of books back there. So many Same. things to talk about. <laughs> Lots yeah. of books. All right. Well, thank you so much, Mary, for our maiden voyage into Rework Book Club. And we will do this again. Thank you. I appreciate it, Allison. Thank you. If you have a favorite book that you would like us to know about or to talk about, I would love to hear about it. Email me at support at dotherework.com or DM me on Instagram at do.the.rework and let me know what titles have been lighting up your Kindle in the night. Do you know someone who would really benefit from this episode of The Rework? Maybe a fellow photographer who's in the trenches with you and always looking to level up their biz. Or perhaps you have a friend who is struggling to make their business work. I would be so grateful if you would share this episode with them. All you have to do is head to the platform where you are listening, click the share icon, and text it or email it to the person that you think could need it most. Thank you so much for doing that. And while you're there, if you have a chance and can give us a review, it would mean the world. We are a micro tiny podcast and we're trying to get the word out to as many portrait photographers as possible to help them build better businesses and better lives for their family. And if you would help us do that, it would mean the world. Thank you so much. And we'll see you next time on The Rework. You can find more great resources from Allison at dotherework.com and on Instagram at do.the.rework.